Now, D, don't panic, but the day after this episode comes out, it's December. I'm not panicking. I'm ready. We're that much closer to spring. Oh, yeah, that's that's the way to think of it. That's the good way to think of it. Let's move on to the episode. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country. Too many. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Good afternoon, Carol. We're doing it in the afternoon again. Good afternoon again to you as well. So how does your garden grow? Well, my garden grows much more slowly than yours. You have a gigantic update. I will just say lights are up, microgreens are growing, house plants are watered. I did buy more seeds, so I have everything. I left a few spots open for a few more tomatoes and a few more peppers, but I think I have all my seeds. And let's see, I also dug up some lily of the valley for forcing. Ooh, I can't wait to see if that works. I don't think I have enough yet to force, but we kind of talked about that last time because you can grow it easily and in Oklahoma it's a little harder to grow. Yeah. Although people have given me starts and those have done better than like bulbs I ordered or pips. Actually, Well, it's so been so dry. We did get some rain yesterday, but it's been so dry. I'm not sure these mm-hmm. pips will do anything, but I threw them in a bag and stuck them in the back of the refrigerator and I'll get them out after Christmas and, you know, can't blame a girl happens. for trying. Right. So, you want to know what happened in my garden? I know. Well, you sent you sent me a bunch of texts. I know what you were up to. You are so busy. bad. Well, I didn't plant the bulbs. All of the bulbs in the garage, I didn't plant those. I don't know why I thought I would have time on Thanksgiving week. Silly me. Um, but I did go to the nursery, the local nursery, and I bought a few plants to tidy me over the winter solstice because, well, that's who I am. And yeah. you want to hear what I got? Yeah, you got a big list of them. I got a variegated string of pearls. Have you ever seen a variegated one? You know, if I had, I knew it existed. Let's put it that way. It's really cute. Uh, It's small. And you know how variegated stuff is. It doesn't grow very fast. It grows very slowly. And I also bought a new string of hearts, not a variegated one. I used to have a variegated one and a regular one. And they both died in the heat this summer. I just could, I should have brought them inside, but I didn't do it. I've learned that lesson. Um, and I put that in the greenhouse in the winter because I, those hanging plants make me really happy in the greenhouse. And then I got two more amaryllis because I really don't trust the ones I oversummered to flower because I don't think those stupid things ever went dormant, even though I had them in a closet. I think they just, they never went dormant. So yeah, they may not happens. bloom. It's the way it goes. And then I brought a brand new to me plant. And we're going to link to it in the I see that. Newsletter. It's a green galaxy monstera. Which actually you, looks like a bumpy philodendron, a trailing one. You I look at it. Click on I list. will look at it after we're done recording. And then um, I'm into weird plants, and this one's from Costa Farms. And I also cleaned out two antique planters that I'm going to put the two amaryllis bulbs in that I bought. And because I love blue and white containers with red amaryllis and white amaryllis. 
And can we just talk about, well, maybe we should talk on a future episode about how it's okay to say goodbye to plants we no longer need or want. Yes. And the best ways to say goodbye. That's right. Goodbye. So it's exciting at my house. It's exciting at your house. Everything's exciting. Let me do, let me do a quote. The flowers of late winter and early spring occupy places in our hearts well out of proportion to their size. Gertrude S. Wister. That is so true. Like snowdrops. Yes, Lily of the Valley, snowdrops. Um, oh, just a paper whites. I mean, just think of all the ones, really. Yes. Because, oh, oh, little tiny Scylla Siberica. Yes. As tall as a snowdrop. So, yeah, it's all because of the season, and you don't get to see enough stuff, and so it's really exciting to see things. And so today, we thought we would revisit the topic, forcing bulbs versus tropical bulbs that are easily grown indoors. And and also talk about amaryllis, paper whites, caladiums, which are all bulbs that don't need a cold period, and the ones you force do need a cold period. So until I really got into this, I never thought about it. I just thought you were, you know, forcing everybody. But no, you're not because some things want to grow. Other some things, things want, want to grow. Period. Right. So, and so you the, did an article. I did an article on Family Handyman about Christmas plants, and I listed both those that have to be forced and those that will just grow because you put them, put them with some dirt and some water and off they grow. Mm-hmm. Stick them in a window. Yeah. You got to do that. And then um, we're also linking to a post I did some years ago called Forcing Bulbs and Vintage Bulbs and Other Containers because I, I went through a period where I bought a bunch of forcing bowls um, online. You can find them on eBay. And I also have um, some antique uh, bulb vases, but a bunch of them got broken one year by the cold when I was trying to get a cold period, but it got too cold in my refrigerator because our weather turned bad suddenly. So, um, what do you want to say about first? Well, let's talk about the easy bulbs. So, that would be the amaryllis, the paper whites. Um, those are the easies. You buy a bulb, you, you plant it, you don't have to do anything else, and it'll grow. And, in fact, they make great gifts. And I have another post I did where I talked about putting them all in milk glass, putting paper whites all in milk glass, and then mm-hmm. giving them as Christmas gifts. And they were very, very popular because you didn't have to do anything. And I also have a post about how not all paper whites are stinky because I don't like Ziva. It's too strong for me in the house. And there are some others, like Enball is one of them. I'm just saying all this off the top of my head. Uh, Winter Sun is another one. Um, and not all paper whites are white either. There's a few like winter sun that I think it's winter sun that is yellow. And then there's, um, Oh gosh, I'll think of something early cheer, early cheer, which is spelled E R L I C H E E R. It is a light yellow, really light. Yeah. And I could see mixing those in with some, some whites. I'm not big into the yellow flowers, but yeah. Well, it's really pale yellow, so I don't think it'd bother you. I think you'd like it. And it smells really good. Um, And some of these, and then there are also some paper whites that need just a little bit of a cold period, like one week to two weeks, just to give them a little start. And then you can do them too. So um, they're they're not hard. They're easy. They're not hard at all. Easy I have some in the greenhouse right now, and I have some inside my house right now. 
Now, do you feed yours uh, or give yours booze so they don't get so leggy and tall? You know, I don't. I just don't overwater them because I also don't want fruit gnats or those plant gnats to grow down in my stuff. So I barely water them. And um, I actually grow mine in soil, which you can also, you can do them on pebbles if you want to. I just put pebbles on the top of my pots. Um, the reason I do it in soil is I think they actually are a little bit better, but that's just me. You know, Very other nice. people do them just on pebbles. And if you do them just on pebbles and you do the thing where you fill up the water part of the way, then I yeah. would definitely do the booze. I would then. It does slow well, them down, and it's not a it's not a wife's tale. It causes them to grow a little bit shorter, and there's a proportion you use, and most people use vodka. Yeah, although any alcohol will do, they said. You could even right. use rubbing alcohol. You could use rubbing alcohol, and I think, again, people use rubbing alcohol or vodka because it's clear. And they don't want it to show like if they're doing them just on water. Yeah, it's that it's that booze you can drink and nobody knows you're drinking, right? I don't believe that's true, but a lot of women drink vodka because, well, it's not a, a dark liquor. But we're going off on a long deal. Personally, I don't like vodka. All right, so next you want to talk about forcing snow. Would you, okay, so we'll quickly talk about amaryllis. We were talking about easy. What do you want yeah, to say easy. Amaryllis is easy. In fact, it's so easy. You can buy a wax bulb, set it on the counter, and poof, poof, flowers. And right now at Sam's, they have the wax bulbs. I texted you and told you. And they're really pretty, and they're, none of the wax is falling off. Hooray. Um, I like, again, to put mine in dirt, because I just do. And uh, they're definitely plug and play. I used to give one to my mom every year for um, Christmas present. Yeah, I give them to my great nieces and great nephews, but I like to buy that wax bulb right before Christmas so that I know they're going to see most of the growth from it. Right, so they don't just get the bloom and that's it. To that. So let's talk about forcing snowdrops. I've never done that. So, well, let's just talk about forcing in general. And the, the classic bulb that we force is the hyacinth. Right. It does require that 10 to 12 weeks of cold before it'll start blooming. And so I... Did not buy any this fall, so I don't have any that I'm going to grow this year, sadly. I guess I could find some on sale and get them ready to go in February. They'll be at Aldi's. Okay. Yo, that's right. Aldi's always has children's ones. Thanks yeah, for so, reminding me. So I used to force them myself all the time, and um, it's a lot of work. And that's how I broke a bunch of my forcing glasses, my good ones, which made me very sad because a lot of them were antiques. And so after that, I got kind of mad and I decided from then on, I was just going to buy them at Aldi's. So I find out when they come in, I run to Aldi's, I buy the bulb for $5.99 and then I stick it on my own forcing glass. There you go. Perfect. Because that's a great idea. This is about enjoying. This is not really about gardening. That's right. You can do what you want. So forcing snowdrops may be more about gardening than it is about enjoying. It's real gardening, yeah. So I had said this last winter. I was going to dig up some snowdrop bulbs, pot them up, and I think they do not like to be out of the soil at all. And so I think I'm going to dig them up this week, and we can get to that in the commissions, pot them up, put it in the back of the refrigerator, and then pull it out in a couple of weeks and just see what happens. It's my grand experiment. Another one. You're doing two now. You're yeah, also I'm doing, doing Lily of the Valley and, mm-hmm. and Snowdrops. I could also go out in February or March and dig up my 
hyacinths and do that too, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm sorry, the cat is scratching at my door. Can I please let him in? You know, this is shades of last week when that cat, the minute you start doing a podcast, the cat's like, can I come in? Can I come in? Can I come in? Yeah, well, I left him outside while I went to my appointment. Um, Actually, I'm going to ignore him. We're going to ignore that cat. He is not hurting out there. It is 57 degrees outside. All right, so the one I really wanted to hear about was caladiums. I have never thought about caladiums as a Christmas plant, and they've kind of been considered one now. Yes, and Proven Winners has introduced this heart-to-heart caladiums. And because of the colors, you know, they're reds and whites and greens. They're perfect for Christmas. But I got to tell you that I, I personally have not tried to force any caladiums into bloom. And I, I'm going to back up and say this isn't forcing, that these would just naturally grow if you potted them up. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say it, they would take too long. And I'm going to say if you want some for Christmas right now, just go to the store. And, and I'm sure they're showing up in all the stores. And buy some. I would suggest a box store first because any time Proven Winners comes up with something new, the box stores get it first. I'm not saying they're there but because I haven't been to the box store, but I might go this week. Here's the nice thing is if you bought a Caladium now for, the, for winter interest, I guess, inside, mm-hmm. I think if you kind of kept it watered but not overly watered, you probably could get it put outside in the spring. Oh, I, I would be almost sure you could because caladiums are so easy to grow. I mean, I had some bulbs that I got that were um, actually someone got them for me at a sale. And I did, I forgot to plant them and I stuck them in the ground in August. August, Carol. Uh-huh. Those suckers came right up and they looked fabulous all the way through October. That's, so that's wonderful. So we've done. Wonderful. Enjoyed them. Paper whites, amaryllis, caladiums, hyacinths, and then Carol's weirdo lily of the valley and weirdo snowdrops. But that that covers it, right? I think that covers it. I can't think of anything else right off the top of my head. Um, if one of our listeners thinks of something else, send us a message. All right. Well, let's get gardening on those things. So here's the next quote. Winter squashes are the forgotten vegetables. Almost no vegetable is as easy to grow or keep. With fertile soil, full sun, and ample water, vines take off, and after plants become established, they're so carefree, it's easy to forget them until fall, when their rediscovery makes the harvest that much sweeter. That's by Andy Tamalinus. And I like that quote, because it's pretty much true. Yeah, I gotta think about that. Other than squash bugs and squash vine borers. They can be a problem. There you go. Yeah, you just kind of plant them and then let them go. Yeah, you know, that's why they always end up in the compost pile. Somebody throws a seed out there in the compost pile, and the next thing you know, you got some kind of squash growing, whether it's a pumpkin or whatever. So we decided this week to talk about a vegetable that we didn't know. I've never heard of this vegetable until I saw, saw the peas. I... Never had heard of this vegetable by this name, and that is ube. Ube. U-B-E. almost said U-B-E. U-B-E. <laughs> it's, grown in the, it's grown and eaten in the Philippines. It's really popular, but its fame has started to spread all over the world because of the color. It's the most beautiful, violety, purple color. 
and it's very smooth tasting apparently and so it's used in a variety of dishes which call for something smooth like ice cream. Yeah, it has a creamy texture. And so there are a bunch of ice creams now that are this color. Um, there are whole shops that are devoted to ube because people from the Philippines who settle in big cities in the United States miss it. It's a huge part of their cuisine. And so they make brownies with it. I, I never saw so many things. It's almost like the ubiquitous pot plant. Because, you know, people make yes. everything out of it, too, now. So, anyway, it, it does not have THC, though. It's just the most beautiful purple, and people say it's delicious. And we're going to link to a CB, CBS News deal that I saw on CBS Sunday Morning, and I thought it was fascinating. And then Carol found um, Baker Creek offers several varieties, and they ship them as plants, because I bet they're slips, don't you? Yeah, they're slips. And this, these are mm-hmm. basically, ube is a sweet purple yam which people like get a, confused that yams and sweet potatoes are the same thing but they're really not even though the sweet potatoes in the can are called yams they're actually two separate plants which we had you and i did a whole thing on that our first season that's true although i'm sitting here thinking i think it's actually a sweet potato not as i i wrote yam but i think i meant to write sweet potato. it might be a purple sweet potato we will find out anyway um i think it is a sweet potato because Rare, rare Seeds, which is Baker Creek, has it in their U- URL. Sweet Potato they, Lilac. They have several varieties in various shades of purple, and there's one called li- purple or Sweet Potato Lilac that's almost completely purple. So mm-hmm. that's got to be pretty close, although I, I don't know if it. it would taste. Look, let me tell you that five slips of this thing is $17, currently out of stock. Good Lord. It sure is expensive. I think I'll grow it in a few years when it's not such a, you know, like new. You know how things are. They're really Yeah, I know how things new. are. And then they spread, and then it's not so much. Anyway, you can also find it powdered, frozen, pureed, and fresh. So what do you know about that? And then we, th- then you thought about, why don't we talk about some other unusual vegetables we don't know about? And the one, we've done a whole piece of yeah, the kooka melons is one. I hadn't heard of this for about, until about three, four years ago, maybe five years ago, time flies. But the other common name for it is Mexican sour gherkins. And they're just like little tiny miniature, they look like little tiny miniature watermelons. And they're about the size of an extra large jelly bean. I remember when Botanical Interest brought out the seeds, and that was the first place I had ever seen them. And um, I've never grown them. You've grown them. You weren't that impressed. I have. They were... I have eaten them. They're sour. Yeah, they are sour, hence the name. Um, I ate them in England. Of all places. Of all places, yeah. We went to this wonderful organic garden, and he had cucamelons. And I wasn't really with a gardening group on this tour, and so nobody had ever heard of them before, and they were all fascinated, and somebody passed one to me, and I ate it. And I was like, well, I mean, that was sort of like a seedy, sour thing, but it was okay. Well, the thing is, the plant, the the leaves are tiny, too, which is kind of interesting because I didn't know what to expect. And uh, it's a pretty... uh, it would be a good vine if you had a chain link fence. This would grow all over it. Yeah, he had it on an arbor, and he had to actually grow it in a hoop house. 
So he well, had yeah. mesh over he had mesh over the arbor, yeah. and um, I was like laughing because I was like, um, "It's so easy to grow it here." But anyway, that's it's just one of those funny things. And then that takes us back to bitter melon, which Mary, I mean not Mary, Marie tried to grow this year, and I don't know if she ever got a melon off of it or not. I don't know, but this is one I had never heard of bitter melon until we had a contractor at work who was from India. Mm-hmm. And his wife was coming to the United States. It was actually an arranged marriage. And he was looking for bitter melon because that was her favorite, one of her favorite foods, and he wanted to have it for her. And he's asking, you know, where do you buy bitter melon? I'm like, what is bitter melon? Right. And I heard of it earlier this year, too, and thought it was fascinating because a friend of mine whose mother is from, I think, the Philippines. She's going to kick me for not knowing for sure. But I think she is. Anyway, she grew up eating bitter melon, too. And so we ended up having a whole conversation about it. And then you and I profiled it, which made Marie want to grow it. And I don't know how it went. I think it needs a very long growing period. I believe that it's, uh, if I remember correctly, because I've got a seed source for it, also from Baker Creek Heirloom. And I believe they said 100 days, which would be a big problem here. I Yeah. We have about 140 days. So if you started it from seed early and you got it right out there, and you you might get some bitter melon at the end of the summer. Yeah, it's really from a place that's tropical. So there you yeah. go. So that's our weird vegetable moment. We should we'll come up with something different next week, but it's because you saw ube. <laughs> yeah, I just thought ube was fascinating, and I now want to taste an ube ice cream. I'm sure there's one around here somewhere. Do you want to do I'm the sure next there is. quote? In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is a sound so faint that for all you can tell, it may be only the sound of the silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. Advent is the name of that moment. Frederick Beckner. I think that's right. We just chose Very- that because... Today's the first day of Advent that we're there recording, you go. which is Monday. Um, so on our bookshelf this week is a book sent to us by Timber Press, and it's called American Roots, Lessons and Inspiration from the Designers Reimagining Our Home Gardens. Um, it's by Teresa Woodard, Nick McCullough, and Allison McCullough. Yeah, Nick and Allison McCullough. Um, okay, so I got a copy of this book. It is very enjoyable. Um, they were going to go all over the United States and interview gardeners from everywhere. And then COVID happened. (laughs) And so it kind of messed things up. So they worked a lot through Instagram and some other ways to get people. And, um, I want to, I was really pleased to see so that there are some people from the Midwest, the people from the South and people from the East coast. And I, I assume the West coast too. Um, I was really pleased to see two people we know well in here, and that's uh, Dan Benarchik and Peggy Ann Montgomery. A lovely couple. They are a lovely couple. They met through their industry. Peggy Ann used to be in charge of All American Plants. I think that's what it was. No, All American Beauties. And it was to um, increase the knowledge of wildflowers in the United States. And Dan is at Longwood. Chanticleer. 
Chanticleer. See, I messed it up. I knew I was going to mess it up. They're both in Pennsylvania, right? That's correct. Both gardens are in Pennsylvania. I mix them up sometimes because I've never been to either one of them. Well, anyway, we like them very much. They're in Garden Calm and um, just two of our favorite people. And we finally get to see their garden, which they made together. And that's really nice. And then there are all kinds of gardener, garden designers from all over the country. And you get to kind of find out what they're into. And what I will say after reading through it is a lot of them are much more into um, native plants than they once were. Prairie plants specifically, especially people from the Midwest who deal with prairie plants. Um, there is definitely an emphasis on more carefree design and sustainability. You know, all the watchwords that everybody talks about now, not spraying pesticides, stuff like that. And it was just a pleasant, it's very pleasant to look at. And it, it's one you should kind of savor and read over a period of time, not race through it because you're getting each designer's style. And there's, there's how many gardens profiled? I think it was 40. Like that. Does that sound um, right? I don't know the exact number. Um, one of the things I was going to say is that each garden, they introduce the gardener. Then they have great pictures of the person's garden or people's garden because there's more than one sometimes. And then there's a grid that kind of shows you the elements of their style. And then there's a section about um, their favorite plants, usually. Yeah, favorite plants. And there's always a grid of their favorite plants. And they explain why they are their favorite plants. And that, so I just thought it was really interesting. That would be an enjoyable read. enjoyable. And I loved, I, I loved seeing how differently people garden throughout the United States. So there are just lots of different people and lots of different styles. Um, some people look sort of English style in a way. I looked at one particular guy and his garden happens to be in the South. And I told Bill if, that if I closed my eyes and didn't know it was him, I would say it was P. Allen Smith's um, urban property because it was very similar um, in style. Interesting. So, uh, and Bill said, yeah, it looks just like P. Allen Smith's place because he's been there too. I'm not saying that that guy didn't, they copied it or anything. I'm just saying they have a similar style. So that's American Roots, Lessons and Inspiration from the Designers Reimagining Our Home Gardens. From Timber Press. Very nice. Something to savor through the winter. Are you ready for the next one? Next quote? I am. I love planting bulbs. It's making promises with tomorrow, believing in next year and the future. Jean Hersey. And this brings us to our dirt. And I know people are going to think we've talked about this endlessly, but we found a new piece on it. We found a new piece on microgreens, and this one also from CBS News talks about where did microgreens come from? Who, who had the idea to start a bunch of seeds and then clip them off as little tiny seedlings and serve them? And it shows the chef and his buddy that did this. And how... And it was an accident. It was just a total accident, but it's a great accident, and now, you know, they're all the rage. Mm -hmm. They're all the rage. And I bought some seeds. I forgot to mention that. I bought some seeds of a, of a microgreen set while I was at the nursery. You might as well, um, Dee. That was one of the funniest segments. Last, it wasn't last Sunday, but the Sunday before Thanksgiving, they always do a food issue. And in that particular food issue, I was really surprised about how many how many different things about nature that they had in there. That's where I got the ube idea and also the microgreens idea. The fascinating thing about the microgreens is that the one guy was the chef's supplier uh -huh. of 
salads, basically. And he misunderstood what he wanted. And he grew flats and flats and flats of microgreens. So then the other guy had to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. It turned out okay. It's very funny. It, it was very okay. funny. And then just for then grins and giggles. Something. Yes, just for grins and giggles. We had talked about Sophia Blackall uh, a couple weeks ago in her book, The Farmhouse. And I, mm-hmm. YouTube served up a really sweet video where she talked about the uh, how she created one of her books. And so it's 10, 12 minutes, and I sent it to you, and uh, you enjoyed it. it. So we'll just send that out to our listeners as just a little gift from us to It them. is. It's just a little gift to make you feel good because— She's such a dear person, yeah. You know, and she's talking to kids because it's for the library yes. association. It's or something. so sweet. And it's very sweet, and she shows how she paints, and it's very cool. So, your Here, turn. it's here's the next quote: "How sad would be November if we had no knowledge of the spring." Edwin Way Teal. True that. That is true. Gosh, if we thought this was all there was, it would be hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it's very cloudy today. It isn't here. It's bright sunshine. The sky is really blue. So my rabbit hole is I did get my books, my uh, Mary, or I'm sorry, Cicely Mary Barker and her Flower Fairies. I've got that set that I ordered for myself, which is Mm -hmm. not cheap, but it's all the Flower Fairies of winter, spring, summer, fall, the wayside, the trees the flower fairy alphabet. So I looked up Cicely Mary Barker because I didn't really know a lot about her. And she is fascinating because mm-hmm. um, she is an artist and she was a epileptic. She never married. And her sister, she always lived with her sister, who also I think never married. But her sister ran a kindergarten in the back of the house or in a little shed or something. I don't know. And these little kids with the permission of their parents, would pose for these flower paintings, which is one of the reasons that they so look so realistic is because there were actually children modeling this stuff. So it's... it's, And she's uh, known, that's what Cicely Mary Barker is known for, is her pictures of um, garden fairies. And you'll see them on other things all the time. They're everywhere. I've just never seen them in the books. Yeah, so there's I think it's cool that calendars, there's reprints of all different kinds of books. The actual books I've got, I mean, these things are barely six inches tall. I mean, these are not these are not big books. But uh, she was a devout Christian, and they said, you know, basically, she wrote a couple of books of hymns or illustrated some hymnals and things and designed a, I think, a stained glass window for her church. Anyway, mm-hmm. she sounds like she was a lovely person. That was my rabbit hole. She was a lovely person. That's a good one. Well, my rabbit hole is, I hope it's not, you know, a downer, because I don't think, I didn't feel like it was a downer. Um, A friend of mine suggested that I listen to Anderson Cooper's podcast on grief called All All That There Is or All There Is. And um, my, you know, people who know me know that my mom died in January. And so she suggested Mm -hmm. I listen to this. I found it completely fascinating. It was one of the best things I've listened to all year. So if you are grieving or have had a hard time or you know someone who's grieving, um, I think this would be a great thing for them to listen to. And he, he interviews a bunch of different people, who some of whom have been through terrible things. Molly Shannon is one of them. Um, Molly Shannon, the comedian, she went through yes. something terrible when she was a child. Her Her dad was driving. He had 
been drinking and um, she wasn't with them, I don't think. No, she wasn't. She was four years old. Her mom was killed in a car wreck and her baby sister. Oh, that's terrible. And so, yeah, it was terrible. But you know what? She's the most bright, happy, hopeful person. And it just, it was fun to listen to her, you know, because she she just has gone on and has turned her grief into joy. So there was a lot of that. I thought it was very a very fun thing to listen to. So that's my that's my rabbit hole this week. I listened to the whole thing. That's good. What are you going to do in the garden for your garden? So this week in the garden, let's see. I need to get some more holiday greenery. I have two containers I want to put some more greenery in. And then depending on the weather, and it's not looking good today, and it's like there's a window tomorrow where I might be able to like catch the last of the leaves and stuff. But if I don't, it's not going to be mm-hmm. a disaster. Um, I I swear... This week, I'm going to go through all my seeds and figure out what else I need. And then after this podcast, I do need to go out and dig up those snowdrops and get those ready. And tend my microgreens. And, you know, that's that's the week. How about you? Well, I need to plant those bulbs. but um, <laughs> You do? I do. I need to get them done. It just hasn't been very cold. So you know, instead of planting of your bulbs, snows. you went off to the nursery and bought all kinds of new plants? It was raining that day. Okay. Okay. There you go. Cats and dogs. I just wanted to verify. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Being my um, whatever we are. Um, So yeah, I got to do that this week. We're supposed to have um, really good weather all week long in the fifties. That's pretty. That's good. I don't think it'll be like that here, but that's good. No, you're colder than I am. Oh, that's right. That's right. It my my sort of early winter weather makes up for my summer. There you go. You enjoy it while you can. So what else am I going to do? Um, well, after I get off this podcast, I'm going to go and plant my two amaryllis bulbs because I cleaned out those two containers. That's very that nice. And you know, then, um, I want to tell you that decades ago, I bought these three big ceramic containers. I actually bought them at Target of all places when they used to sell the Smith and Hawkins line. Oh, I loved those things. And I, there's a red one, a green one, and a red, green, and white, or creamy white. I have a green one. I bet I have the same green and one. And they, they're they perfect for amaryllis. Mm-hmm, they're beautiful. So they've got old amaryllis, old amaryllis in them now. Maybe I should do like you, and I'll just ditch those and get three new ones. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of, the old ones look ugly anyway. I know I look kind of, I mean, anyway. I'm thinking about doing that, get ditching more. I want about six to grow along that window. There you go. Just all red and beautiful. Oh, and I bought a cyclamen. I forgot to mention my cyclamen. So can we talk next week about how I should take care of my cyclamen in our flower section? Yes, that will be our flower section because I discovered something about them that will help you out. I hope so because you wrote an article there on it. There you go. Um, that's it. I don't, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Maybe plant some microgreens. I mean, I... After last week, I think I'm just going to goof off. There you go. Goof off time. Well, that's it. Uh, let's finish this off so we I can go goof off too. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. That helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. 
and subscribe to our Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelist at Substack.com, also linked to in our show notes. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate this week. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.